Heavenly Father, we do thank you that we can look into your word this morning, that the Apostle Peter still speaks today through what we have before us. Lord, we pray that we may not come this morning as judges of your word, coming to be above it. But Lord, may we sit under the teaching of your word this morning. May we submit ourselves to Peter and to you who spoke through him. And may we do what Peter says we should do, so that your name is honoured and you are pleased with us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, when I was studying at university to be a podiatrist, I learned that health professionals shouldn't just be people who study a lot and know a lot about the human body and how to treat it. It's also important how they speak the knowledge that they have to patients. And so I had a whole subject dedicated at university to people skills. There was a textbook for it and we had to read it and learn interpersonal practitioner-patient relationships uh, and how to speak the information that we had. And we all recognise this with doctors, that a good doctor is not necessarily a doctor who knows everything, but a doctor who is able to speak clearly to us. The manner that, by which he speaks is very important about when we try to choose who we're going to have is our doctor. And last week we saw, as we've been looking at 1 Peter chapter 3, that we must be prepared as Christians for when someone asks us to give an answer for the reason that we are a Christian. And so that's what we looked at in 1 Peter chapter 3, uh, verse 15. If you've got a church Bible, it's found on page 1202, 1202. And so we looked at verse 15 where it says at the beginning, but in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. And then we looked at this next sentence. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. And I explained that we must, as Christians, be prepared to give reasons for our reasonable faith, for our hope that we have as Christians. What is that hope? Well, it's the hope of the resurrection, that when we die, we will not stay dead, we will not become worm food forever, that we will be raised again, that we will be raised to have eternal life with Jesus Christ, not raised to eternal damnation, to eternal punishment in hell, but rather raised to have eternal happiness with Jesus Christ. That is the hope that we have. And why do we have that hope? Well, it's because of what Jesus Christ has done at the cross. Jesus at the cross was not giving some example of how to take suffering, to grin and bear it. No, he was taking our sins upon his shoulders. If we repent of our sins, say we're sorry to God, for what we have done in rebelling against him and his law and believe that Jesus Christ took the punishment that we deserve, then we have a marvellous hope. Instead of being raised to be eternally punished, instead we are raised to eternal life because of Jesus' work at the cross. So that is the hope that we have. And we're meant to give an answer for it. We're not meant to keep it to ourselves. Peter told us quite clearly last week, you're meant to share that, give reasons for it. But now I want to show you 
What Peter says next is that it doesn't just matter giving your reasons, being prepared with those reasons for the hope that you have. It's also important how you share those reasons, how you share that Jesus Christ died for sinners, how you share that the way of eternal life is through Jesus' death. And he gives us a few ways that we're meant to share those reasons, the manner by which we're meant to share those reasons. And the first one is at the end of verse 15. So we read verse 15. I'll read it again from the beginning. But in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness. The first way that he wants you to speak to others is with gentleness. And so that's my first main point this morning. If you've got a church bulletin there, I encourage you to look at the back there. You'll see my three main points this morning about how we are to answer people. And the first one is that we're meant to answer people with gentleness. Why does Peter say this? Well, it's easy not to be gentle when people ask us to give an answer for the reason, the hope, uh, give us reasons for the hope that we have. It's easy to be hostile back toward people, to be rude to them, particularly if they're being rude to you when they're asking you to give a defence. Peter himself had experienced this. He was hauled before a court. He was imprisoned at night, then brought before the court the next morning. When people are asking him to give reasons, they're not, giving it, they're not asking in a friendly way. And so it's very tempting with our human hearts when we're being asked harshly why we are Christians to be harsh back, to be rude back, to be dismissive of them, to make them seem foolish by the response that we give. It's very easy if you know enough about Christianity to know enough about logic and reason and why existence of God is actually a very uh, logical thing to believe in and why the Bible is so clearly true. It's very easy to make fools of those who ask us questions, to ask them questions that they clearly don't know the answer to and make them embarrassed about their answers to you as you give them answers as to the hope that you have. And so it's easy to do that. And that's not a gentle way to speak to someone, is to make them seem foolish. And it's easy to get angry back as well, to start losing your temper with someone. They ask you a question, you give an answer, and as you give it, you get more and more worked up. You get more and more nervous probably, and so your voice starts to shake, and you start to get angry with that person, particularly if they've asked that question before. They've asked it again and again. And you've told them that answer again and again. And by the fifth, sixth, tenth, twentieth time, you're starting to get really frustrated with them. The reason you're giving is the same reason. And they just aren't listening. And so you get angry with them. Peter says you do that. You've sinned. Because how are you meant to give answers? You're meant to give them with gentleness. What does that mean then? Well, you've got to be patient with them, not dismissive. You've got to be kind and gracious, ready to listen to their questions, even if they've asked it before. Or if they've asked questions that you don't know the answer to, it's very easy to try and fob them off 
with a bit of ego, temper, get it involved there and you dismiss their questions as unimportant. No, if you're gentle, you'll be ready to listen to those questions and you won't raise your voice, you won't lose your temper with them. Now, why would Peter want you to be gentle as you give an answer for the hope that you have? Why would he say you should do that here? Well, first reason is because people are not usually helped by hostile answers. As I was saying before about health professionals, if a doctor tells you you've got cancer and does it in a blasé sort of manner and doesn't really care, you're probably not going to believe him. He obviously doesn't understand the seriousness of what he is saying. He may be exactly right in what he's saying. He's got all the reasons there why you have the condition you have. But by the way he says it, he's not listened to. Or he may say it so coldly up front that he says, you've got cancer, and then rattles on, and he doesn't say it in a gentle way at all, that you don't hear anything else that he says. You're still struck dumb by the news that he has given you. And it's the same with Christianity. We're talking about something much more serious than cancer. We're talking about a cancer that lasts forever. An eternal pain that can't even be compared with any physical condition you have in this life. An eternal punishment for your sin. That's what we're speaking about to people. And so when we speak to them, we have to speak with all seriousness and all gentleness. We have to be very gentle, just like the doctor is gentle, with the bad news that he has with all the reasons that he has for why you have that serious condition. We have to be the same. We have to be very gentle with the person because otherwise it will just fall on deaf ears. Those reasons that you give, they won't listen. Because of the way you speak, their ears will be closed to what you have to say. But if you are gentle, ears can be opened People can listen to you because they know that by the way you are speaking that you love them and really do care for them because you're being gentle in the way that you speak. And so they want to listen. They want to listen to what you have to say because they know that you're speaking with their interests at heart. And so their prejudices can be stripped away. People have all kinds of prejudices against Christians. They think all kinds of things about Christians, and particularly when Christians start to talk about their faith, start to give reasons for the hope that they have. They call such people Bible bashers. Why does that term come into use? Because people haven't been speaking gently about their faith. They've been bashing people with reasons for the hope that they have. And so people are prejudiced against listening to such reasons. But if you speak gently, they start to realise that Christians aren't just bashing you over the head with a Bible. No, they're genuinely concerned about you and really want to share what it is that makes them tick, what it is about Jesus Christ that gets them hope-filled, hopeful about a resurrection. So if someone is offended by your answering questions, you have to ask yourself whether you've been doing what uh, Peter says. If someone is offended by your answers, when you're speaking to someone about why you're a Christian and they get offended, 
You have to ask yourself, are they offended because of my message or are they offended because of the way that I've spoken? Because we've got to remember that the reasons why we're a Christian, the message that we have as Christians for the hope that we have, is offensive. You go around telling people that they're sinners and will go for an eternity of punishment in hell because of what they've done, they can get very offended. Who are you to say that to me, that I'm a sinner and will be eternally punished? It's an offensive message. And that Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation. How can that be? And that I don't have to do anything to make myself safe? That I just believe in Jesus Christ? Surely I've got to do some good works. Surely I'm able to do something to merit my salvation. I'm not that bad. But the message of Christianity is you are bad. You are totally helpless. Your sin has completely corrupted everything you do and you are unable to do anything to help yourself. You need Jesus Christ. If you go around saying that, people will get offended. And that's where you've got to ask, is it the message that is offensive? Or is it the way that you've said it that is offensive? Because it's okay if people get offended by your message. But it's not okay if people are offended because of the way that you've spoken. Because you haven't spoken with gentleness. So the first thing you need to do is answer gently. Number two. At the end of verse 15 there, what is the other way that you're meant to speak? But do this with gentleness and respect. Peter wants you to give reasons for the hope that you have with respect. And so that's my second main point this morning. Answer people with respect. What is respect? Well, it's to show high regard for someone. To fear, to displease that person. To hold them in high honour. Now, who is it that Peter wants you to respect? He doesn't actually say there. He just says, but do this with gentleness and respect. Who's the respect meant to be shown toward? Well, it could be to the person that you're witnessing to. You show respect to the unbeliever. And that is true. We're meant to respect non-Christians. We're not to consider them nothing, worthless. No, they're people made in the image of God. And we need to respect them. They may be lost, they may be deluded, misled, but that doesn't mean that we disrespect them. No, we're meant to respect them as people that God has created and worthy of our respect. But I don't think that's who Peter wants you to respect here, uh, that that's what he's getting at. Why? Well, the word respect there in the Greek is actually the word for fear, phobos, like um, phobia is a fear. He's saying, be afraid when you witness. And he's just told us a few verses back, we read it earlier and we heard a sermon on it earlier, not to fear people. Go back to verse 14. But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear, talking of unbelievers. Do not be frightened. Do not fear what they fear. Or it may be, as I said at the time, that the translation there is fear their threats. If you drop down to the margin, verse 14, little letter B, it says, or not fear their threats. And that's the same word, fear, in the Greek, phobos, that's then translated down here with respect. So Peter clearly doesn't want you to be afraid of unbelievers. 
Who does he want you to be afraid of? Well, he wants you to be afraid of God. Again and again, Scripture tells us, fear God. And so when we witness, we're supposed to fear God. Scripture tells us that again and again, that God is someone we should fear. Even Peter has said it himself, chapter 2. Just flick back, chapter 2, verse 17. Show proper respect to everyone, love the brotherhood of believers, fear God, honour the king. We're supposed to fear God. Now why would Peter want you to fear God while you give an answer for the hope that is in you? Well, you should fear God because your answers to unbelievers are being judged by him. As you answer people when they question you about the hope that you have, God is listening. He's not absent. He's watching what you say. You're one of his ambassadors. You're one of his servants. And you're told to give an answer. And so he's going to watch how you do. He's going to watch whether you're speaking gently to that person. And if you don't speak gently, if you're rude, dismissive, hot-tempered toward them, he will punish you. He disciplines those he loves, and he loves you as his children. So you should fear as you answer people about the way that God will react to how you answer. Because if you answer well, if you answer gently, God will reward you. He may reward you in this life, but he will definitely reward you in the next life as a good servant, a good ambassador who spoke gently to unbelievers about the hope that is in you. Now this isn't saying that God only lets people into heaven who have spoken gently about the hope that is in them. No, we don't earn our way into heaven by speaking gently. No, the way we enter into heaven is through Jesus' death. Trusting in Jesus' death is the only way of salvation. Works don't count for anything in terms of your salvation. But as you speak gently, it shows that you truly are a Christian and, it sh- and you will be rewarded for it. And so as you speak gently, it's not with a fear of God may kick you out of heaven. You speak fearfully that you will somehow upset your father in heaven, that he will not be happy with what you've done. Not that he's going to kick you out of his family, but that he won't be happy as a good and loving father. And so you're speaking not so much respectfully, but more reverently. As you speak to people about the hope that you have, you're reverent toward God because you know he's listening to what you say and he will hold you accountable for the way that you speak to others. The other way that I think fear is shown fear of God is shown in your witnessing is because if you know that God is the one who gives growth that he is the one who converts people you'll be very fearful in the way that you speak to others fearful that he will not bless your labours and that they will become Christians the Bible tells us again and again that people become Christians because God wills it Not because you will it. Not because you're always prepared to give an answer and you've always got those reasons there to go. You've studied very hard 
and you've spoken as gently as possible. That's not the reason, God, that, that people will become Christians. The only reason people become Christians is because God changes their heart. And if you know that while you give answers, then you'll be fearful that God won't bless your results, uh, won't bless you with results. He won't bless your work. And so what does that drive you to do? It drives you to prayer. When you give people answers, if you are giving them respectfully toward God, reverently toward God, fearfully toward God, prayer will be all wrapped up in those answers because you know that nothing will happen. doesn't matter how prepared you are. doesn't matter how gentle you are. Nothing will happen if God doesn't bless the work. And so you're so prayerful for that person that you're witnessing to that you're giving answers to. So there's two reasons. One is gentleness. The other is reverently, respectfully, fearfully toward God is the way that you're supposed to give answers. The third and last one is to answer people with a clear conscience. That's in verse 16. But I'll read from the end of verse 15. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience. When you witness to people about the reasons or the hope that you have, you're supposed to keep a clear conscience. And this is something that if you've ever witnessed to people, you know that it's possible afterward to have a guilty conscience. You think after you've witnessed to them, you think, oh, did I say the right thing? Oh, was I, did I clearly speak about Jesus and his death? Did I, was that right, what I said? Was I gentle? Did I come across bad? Oh, what did I do? Um, particularly if you don't see any result or you get some hostility back, you can often have a very guilty conscience about what you did, the way that you spoke to that person. God wants you to have a clear conscience because he knows that if you have a clear conscience, you'll be eager to witness to those around you particularly if people are speaking badly about you, particularly if people are reacting badly. How does he say that some people will react badly to your answers? Verse 16, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behaviour in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. It's hard enough when you just have a friend who goes, all right, and then moves the conversation on, and you have a bit of a guilty conscience that I say the right thing. But it's even worse if you know that they've been slandering you later on. By what you said about what you said, and you're less likely to witness in the future because of that slander that's spreading around. But Peter says, have a clear conscience then, and that will encourage you to keep on witnessing despite the slander that's out there. Now, how do you get a clear conscience? Well, you've got to do the right thing. If you've got a guilty conscience because you've done the wrong thing, well, then you should have a guilty conscience. You should feel guilty for doing the wrong thing. But if you want a clear conscience when you witness, well, do the right thing. Always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have. You ask yourself, was I prepared? Yes, I did know the gospel. I had made sure that I knew to say Jesus' death and Jesus' resurrection and repentance and faith, that I was clear with my reasons. I was prepared. And then you ask yourself, did I say it gently? 
Maybe you can get someone else who was there at the time to sort of give you some feedback as well, another Christian. But you ask yourself, was I gentle? And yes, I think I was gentle. I tried to be as gentle as I could. I certainly didn't raise my voice, so I think I was gentle. And did I speak reverently? Yeah, I, I did all the time recognising that I couldn't argue them into the kingdom, that God would bring them. And I did pray, I prayed for that person many, many times. So I know it's not me that brings that person to be a Christian. Yes, I was reverent. Well then, your behaviour in Christ, which is what he says there, is the way to a clear conscience, is showing that you should have a clear conscience. Verse 16, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behaviour in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Yes, my behaviour in Christ was good, so I have a clear conscience about it. And so then, what does that mean? I will be motivated to do it again. I will go on and on witnessing because I have a clear conscience that I can witness properly with good behaviour in Christ. Now what about if your conscience still troubles you? You've gone through those, I was prepared, I was gentle, I was reverent, but I still don't feel like I said the right thing. Well, you've got to remember that your conscience is not always the best guide. Our consciences are very good things that God has given us. But when we sinned and became fallen creatures, they were affected as well. So our conscience can sometimes say something is right when God says it's bad. And our conscience can sometimes say something is bad when it's actually right and good. And so sometimes you have to take your conscience in hand and rebuke it. Your conscience may be saying, yeah, you didn't witness very well then and you should feel guilty about the way that you answered that person but if you go through the facts and you find that you did witness properly then rebuke your conscience and tell it to shut up tell it it has no place to be making you feel guilty you've done the right thing according to God's word and God is pleased with you so it doesn't matter whether your conscience is displeased with you you've done the right thing because God's word says you've done the right thing so you need to rebuke that conscience. And what is the result then as you rebuke that conscience? Even if you feel guilty as you're witnessing, you're trying to keep that conscience clear and you will go on witnessing. So we've seen this morning that it's not just enough to prepare for when people ask us questions. We need to be gentle. We need to fear God when we answer those questions. And we need to keep our conscience clear because if we don't keep our conscience clear, well, then we're going to be less likely to witness, to give those reasons to those who are around us. So when people ask you to give an answer for the hope that is in you, do you do so gently? Would people say that about you, that when you speak about Christianity, you're gentle? Or would people say, oh, here comes that Christian again. Everyone keep your mouths shut. Don't ask him a question about anything to do with Christianity because it's just going to get rammed down your throat. Well, then, that's not good at all. You're not doing what Peter says. And do you, when you give answers, do so reverently? Fearfully toward God, because you know that if he does not bless your work, then you'll be punished for it. 
you will not be rewarded. That he may not see, not give anyone a new heart because of what you've said. That your sharing of the gospel will fall on deaf ears. Do you pray for those people that you witness to because you are fearful of God? And do you witness with a clear conscience? Or do you let that guilty conscience rouse up in your head and prohibit you from witnessing? Because you always feel guilty. You think, oh, why would I share with them what I believe? I won't do a good job. I'll just get hot and bothered afterward. So I'm not going to do it. No. Do you work at quietening down that conscience, keeping it clear, because you can do it. God can give you the words to say. And so you keep that conscience at bay. Let us speak with our God now. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you use us as your ambassadors, as people who can call people to your kingdom. Lord, we recognise that we are still sinners and we still can say wonderful truths in a way that shows we are really stomping on them and trampling them underfoot. Lord, we pray that you may help us when we witness to others that we may be gentle in the way that we speak. May we be fearful of you when we speak. And may we keep a clear conscience. Lord, cleanse our consciences for us. May they not trouble us when we've done the right thing, but instead may they settle us and say, yes, you have done what God's word said, and so you should feel good and not guilty. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.